your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 530 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, going to do a little bit of everything. It is Sunday morning as I'm recording this, and we're going to have some thoughts about the NHL All-Star Game as well as the skills competition. We're going to be talking about Chris Kreider's performance in all of the above. And we're also going to have an update on the Women's Hockey Olympics, as well as take a look at the Hartford Wolfpack. And finally, an important update on the KHL and thus Vitaly Kravtsov. It's at least possible that he could be uh, at least eligible to return to the Rangers a little bit sooner than predicted. So like I said, there is a lot to get to here. And I want to start with... Friday's skills competition, which I enjoyed. You know, obviously with the All-Star game, I know there's a lot of people who look at it and say, well, it's not real hockey. It's this and it's that. And look, 82 games in the regular season, that's a lot to get through if you're a fan of any one of these teams. So I think there are certain hockey fans that probably just take a quick breather from hockey. But if you're like me and you just can't get enough NHL, then uh, I think this was uh, something that you could probably tune in and enjoy. You know, the skills competition was a lot of fun. I thought the All-Star game was a lot of fun. Yeah, I know it's not real hockey. There's no hitting. There's no defense being played. Everybody's kind of going at half speed. But for what it is, which is the collection of the greatest players around the world, uh, I think it was still a lot of fun. So uh, I'll just offer a couple of quick thoughts here on the skills competition. Uh, The only thing I wanted to mention is I think the NHL would probably do well to try to speed things up a little bit. I don't think that the skills competition has to be two and a half hours. I think you could probably tighten that up a little bit and get it down to two hours. That is kind of a lot. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the, coverage starts, and you got to do the national anthem, so I get that, both national anthems, but, you know, coverage starts at 7.30. Nothing actually happened. None of the uh, competitions actually began until 7.47, so that's 17 minutes of waiting for this thing to start, which, again, you know, you're trying to loop in new fans. People don't always have the longest attention span these days. I include myself in that as well. You got to hit the ground running here, you know. As soon as it starts, something needs to be happening. There needs to be some action. But uh, they eventually got everything underway there with the fastest skater, and that was the uh, lone event that the Lone Ranger got to participate in, and that was Chris Kreider. Uh, He actually went first in the fastest skater competition Clocked in at 13.664 seconds, and he ends up, like I said, in third place. Adrian Kempe was after Chris Kreider, and he got 13.585 seconds, so right away, uh, Kreider was not going to be winning the event, and uh, Jordan Cairo ends up getting the win with 13.550 seconds, but Chris Kreider comes in third place there, uh, not too shabby. I believe there were eight participants in that event, including Connor McDavid, who I think had won it three times in the past, but he doesn't win it this time. Uh, Jordan Cairo gets the win, and Chris Kreider comes in third place. An event that I also liked was right after this, it was Save Streak. And let me just say, look, I know Cam Talbot is not like a Ranger legend. He's not going to have his uh, number put up into the Madison Square Garden rafters the way that uh, Henrik Lundqvist did, to put it 
very mildly, but uh, he was here for two years. He was a good Ranger while he was here. He did a great job in the absence of Henrik Lundqvist when Lundqvist had to uh, miss a spell of the season due to an injury. So I've always liked Cam Talbot, and it was really, really cool to see him uh, make his first All-Star game at the age of 34. He was wearing a mic for this safe street competition, and basically what this was was you had basically four tag teams. You know, the two goalies from all four divisions got to face, uh, you know, shooters from the other divisions, and the winners would be the tandem of goalies that came up with the most consecutive saves in a row, you know, facing these skaters one-on-one in, uh, in, in shootout format. And you had Cam Talbot and you had UC Soros teaming up for uh, the Central Division, and they end up coming in second place. They got five consecutive saves. They actually stopped seven out of nine overall, but the way that it works, once it gets past eight shooters, you know, anybody who scores after that, the streak is over and the goalie's run is over. Um, But Vasilevsky and Campbell win this with nine in a row. I don't know. I like this one for what it was. But the one that I absolutely loved, and it was right after this, and this one, honestly, like, if you didn't get a chance to see this live, I can't recommend it enough. I don't know if it's on YouTube or not. But I genuinely enjoyed this one. This was called the Fountain Face-Off, and it occurred at the Bellagio Fountains. And this is what I like from the NHL. You know, getting a little creative here, thinking outside the box a little bit. All right, you know, we're in Las Vegas. What can we do here to, to make this fun and make it unique and make it kind of fit the city that we're in? Well, what you do to make that happen is you put a bunch of players in the middle of the Bellagio Fountains, and you tell them to shoot a puck into five different targets. Now, Straight in front of them was just a hockey net, and most of them could hit that without any problem whatsoever. It was pretty far out uh, in the middle of the uh, the pond there, or whatever it's called, the pool, I guess. Um, so you had to shoot into that. You also had two giant circular uh, platforms that the players had to shoot a puck on top of uh, that were to the right and to the left of the hockey net. And then also a little bit closer to them, you had two very small circular uh, platforms where you basically just had to lift like a, almost like a saucer pass into one of those. And the way it worked was you had eight players and they were all timed and you had to shoot the puck into at least four out of these five targets. And once you did, the clock stopped and the two best times would advance to a a final competition where they have to hit all five targets in the finals. It sounds like a lot, but if you watch this, I think you probably would agree that it was a lot of fun, and uh, it's not nearly as as, uh, complicated as maybe that just sounded. But uh, yeah, overall, I I love this. You end up uh, coming down to Yossi versus Wierenski. They had the two best times in the uh, opening round. You also had Jocelyn Lamaru-Davidson. She was a member of the United States Olympic hockey team, and she participated in this as well. I believe she came in either third or fourth place, but like I said, Yossi and Wierenski uh, did the... uh had the best times in the opening round, so they faced off in the uh, in the finals, and then Zach Wierenski ended up winning it. Um, but it was really really cool. I, you know, I thought it was very unique. It wasn't done live because obviously it would be hard to get these players uh, from the arena over to the Bellagio Fountains, you know, as, as quickly as they would have needed to. But it was awesome. You know, it was nighttime. It looked really cool. Uh, anybody who's been to Vegas has probably seen this area where it happened. But I thought this was really really cool. You know, just really neat to see it 
fit the theme of Vegas. And like I said, just think outside the box a little bit. And one other event that did this was the 21 and 22 competition. This was uh, the blackjack competition that I was discussing in a previous episode. I was really looking forward to this one. Basically, you had a group of players and you had a giant board. Uh, This was outside the arena too. I guess it was there on the Vegas Strip. You had a giant board of oversized novelty playing cards. And the players had to shoot the puck at the cards and try to get blackjack out of it. Joe Pavelski ended up winning this one, but it was cool. You know, there was some fun banter between the players. They were having fun with it. And uh, yeah, just just very unique and, and very different. And again, it fit the theme of Vegas very well. Uh, and then you had, you know, your standard events. You had accuracy shooting. You had hardest shot, all that good stuff. I'm not going to get into those in too much detail, but I really, really enjoyed the themed events, especially the one that was on the uh, Bellagio Fountains there. And like I said, if you haven't had a chance to see that, I would definitely recommend uh, looking it up. It was just a really cool uh, event and uh, something that I definitely enjoyed. And again, props to the NHL once again for thinking outside the box a little bit here. But we'll continue talking about everything else that I mentioned in the intro in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New Year Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You will be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month is white chocolate cookies and cream. They are delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, I want to go ahead and uh, talk about something else real quick that happened in the skills competition because Chris Kreider scored an awesome goal in the save streak competition. Of course, that was the uh, competition that pitted the goalies against each other, and he goes in, shootout format, and fakes a shot and just lets the puck slide between the goalies' legs and into the net. One of the most beautiful goals scored in any of the shot or skills competitions, excuse me, or the All-Star game itself. But that was really cool. As far as the All-Star game, or games, I guess as it were, uh, basically the way it works, if anybody needs to be caught up with this, the four divisions play each other in a tournament. So you get the Metro against the Pacific in one semifinal, and then you get the Atlantic versus the Central in the other semifinal, and then the two teams meet in the finals. And what happened was the Metro beat the Pacific 6-4, the Central beat the Atlantic 8-5, and that sets up... Metro against Central in the finals, and the Metro wins that 5-3. to three. So Chris Kreider helps the Metro win the All-Star game for whatever that's worth to everybody. But 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, it was once again, it, it's not real hockey, quote unquote, but it is cool to see all the best players in the world competing in the same game on the same rink. Uh, for anybody who was invested in this, Claude Giroux ends up winning the MVP. It's still crazy to me to think that uh, if all the chips fall the right way, he could end up being a Ranger uh, as a rental down the stretch here. And you know, when I talked about that in the past, I almost kind of talked myself into it a little bit. But he's the MVP, three goals, one assist in the two games combined, 11 shots on goal, and he was also a plus five. Uh, Chris Kreider, for his part, in the two games that he played, had a goal, one assist, six shots on goal, actually had a block shot, and also a takeaway. So, I mean, that's pretty much the long and short of it. I mean, the All-Star game is what it is. The way they did it was... uh two 10-minute periods per game, and it was all three-on-three the entire, you know, tournament. So basically uh, NHL overtime rules for the entire tourney. But uh, yeah, again, for for what it's worth, I I think it was uh, was a good time. I enjoyed watching it, and yeah, I mean, I figure we can turn our attention to some other hockey that's going on right now. And that, of course, would be the Olympics. The men's tournament is not yet underway, but for the women's, uh, we've got the United States now standing at 3-0, the U.S., in three games, has outscored its three opponents, which are Finland, Russia, and Switzerland, by a combined score of 18-2. to You've also got Canada, now 2-0 in the tournament. They have outscored their two opponents by a combined score of 23-2. to So obviously the U.S. and Canada are looking good. I would imagine coming into the tournament that uh, they were among the favorites, probably the two favorites to ultimately win this tournament and get the gold medal. And we're definitely going to keep our focus mostly on the Rangers going forward here. Obviously, the NHL season is going to run somewhat parallel to the Olympics, given the fact that, of course, the NHL was not able to participate in the Olympics this season. That's a bummer, but you you look at the U.S. men's hockey roster in Canada as well, and really all the countries, uh, there are some notable players, some guys that were pretty high draft picks in recent seasons. So I still think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think certainly when you consider the fact that the Olympics only happen once every four years, it's worth looking at. We'll talk about it a little bit. And uh, for sure, I'm going to be, uh, you know, watching these games a lot more intently, uh, both the men's and the women's. Once the preliminary rounds are over, I'm sure a lot of you will as well. Uh, for the women, their quarterfinals begin on February 11th. And for the men, their preliminaries begin on February 9th. So like I said, we're going to keep an eye on both of them. By the time it gets to the knockout rounds and, of course, the gold medal game, uh, we're certainly going to at least keep an eye on it. And hopefully uh, the Rangers schedule just works out in a favorable way that we can keep an eye on both. But like I said in the intro, we're going to, in just a second, turn our attention to the Hartford Wolfpack, as well as a very important update coming from the KHL that affects Vitaly Kravtsov and could also indirectly, or directly, I suppose, affect the Rangers as well. And we will get to all that in just a second. All right, just want to thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, I figure this is about as good a time as any to take a quick look at the Hartford Wolfpack. We do this every now and then on here. It's always good to see uh, how some of the Ranger prospects and uh, depth pieces are doing playing for the Hartford Wolfpack. The pack in general have won five out of their last seven, excuse me. They are in second place in the Atlantic Division. Hershey Bears are in first place. The Bears have 52 points. The Wolfpack has 50 points. The pack also has two games in hand, and currently sports a record of 22-12-4. And, and I have to shout out Johnny Brodzinski here. Obviously, we've seen him play a handful of games with the Rangers over the past couple of seasons here, but he actually just set a new Wolfpack franchise record with a nine-game point streak. He scored a goal uh, just yesterday, 
and that would be Saturday because I'm recording this on Sunday morning. But he's leading the way offensively for the Wolfpack. He's got 16 goals and 17 assists for a total of 33 points in 29 games. He also leads the team in points despite, uh, once again, having been with the Rangers for a spell this season. He has played in five games thus far with the Blue Shirts. And honestly, you know, given the fact that he's a right wing, that has something to do with it. There's part of me that wants to see him, like, actually get a chance in a somewhat prominent role with the Rangers. I mean, maybe like in a top nine position at least. I know that he has played five games with the Rangers so far this season and hasn't had any points, uh, but I think overall he's looked okay and has averaged only eight minutes and 42 seconds of ice time per night with the Rangers. So obviously it's hard to, you know, really make a, a big time impact when you're only on the ice for that amount of time. Look, I get that he's not like some grade-A prospect. I get that he's a journeyman. I get that he's 28 years old, all that good stuff. But when you look at the Rangers right now, and another thing too is that I don't know that there's anybody on the Rangers that you necessarily want to take out of the lineup, but you know they're just not getting any offense from really any of their right wingers, and that's especially true when Capo Caco is out of the lineup, as he has been out of the lineup for the past however many games. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere, you know, they put him at the right wing sometimes, but he's played the majority of his games on the left wing. So it almost gets to the point where I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. Why not? Just just give Johnny Brodzinski a chance. Give him a handful of games with the Rangers uh, at right wing in a top nine role and just see if you can't kind of catch lightning in the bo- in a bottle. Excuse me. Um, you know, we saw that somewhat with Colin Blackwell last season. I realize he, he tailed off down the stretch and everything, but when you're getting as little offense as the Rangers are out of uh, the right wing position, and you've got this guy who is more than a point per game, 33 points in 29 games in the AHL, it almost gets to a point where it's like, why not? Just just give him a chance. And, you know, either way, whether they do this or not, which I, I, honestly I don't really think that they will, but even if they do, I think the Rangers are still going to be in the market for at least one, if not two, right wingers. So, you know, calling up Johnny Brodzinski might only be kind of a temporary solution, but it gets to the point where it's just like, man, why not? Just just give it a shot, see if it works, uh, give him a, a little bit of an opportunity here, even though, once again, he's not somebody that's a huge prospect at this point. I don't think when you're 28, you can really be considered that much of a prospect anymore. Um, you know, it's just one of those things, it's like, why not just try to roll the dice and see what happens here? Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the Rangers end up looking to do there. But either way, Johnny Brodzinski having a heck of a season for himself with the Wolfpack. If you're looking for somebody with a little bit more upside, then maybe Lori Pahuniemi is your guy. Uh, he's got eight goals and 10 assists, so 18 points in 35 games with the Wolfpack this season. But by all accounts, it sounds like the Rangers uh, do like what they've seen from him thus far. I know he was one of the standouts during uh, rookie camp before the season started this year. He was a fifth-round pick back in 2018, so I suppose he would at least be an option. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of just looking for guys who have a little bit of scoring upside because uh, at the right-wing position, the Rangers are certainly lacking that. I know a lot of people are going to be calling for Morgan Barron to get a little bit more of a run with the Rangers, get a little bit more ice time. Uh, He's back with the Wolfpack, at least for the time being. As far as other point leaders, I mean, you've got Anthony Greco is second on the team. He's got 29 points in 34 games. Tanner Fritz has 25 points in 36 games. And Tim Gettinger, who uh, surprisingly has become an absolute beast when it comes to shootouts. Nobody in the AHL can stop this guy in a shootout. Uh, But he's got 20 points in 27 games. Again, you know, he's somebody that if he gets called up to the NHL, you figure he's going to be the fourth line type. But he's shown an ability to 
put the puck in the net or, you know, contribute offensively, at least with the Hartford Wolfpack. So uh, the Raiders do have some options if they want to call anybody up at any given time. But as we've talked about on here, there is a little bit of a logjam when it comes to the Rangers. There's a lot of guys who are very deserving of being in the Ranger lineup pretty much night in and night out. So it's a good problem to have, and we'll see how the Rangers uh, look to handle it going forward. But it's obviously very encouraging to see the Hartford Wolfpack having such a strong season. It tells you that the Rangers have a good mix of both prospects and also, uh, you know, some guys that are NHL, AHL swingmen, but can contribute at the AHL level and, uh, you know, be ready if the Rangers need them in some kind of a pinch or whatever it might be. And we'll continue talking about the Wolfpack somewhere down the line here, and we'll probably dive into some of the biggest Ranger prospects. Obviously, Brian Offman is really turning some heads with the season that he's having for the OHL's Flint Firebirds. We've talked about him a couple of times in the past here, so we'll do an episode that's dedicated entirely to New York Ranger prospects. But one more thing I want to talk about here before we call it a day today is the situation with the KHL. The KHL has announced that they're just going to dive right into the postseason, and so that means that Vitaly off his team is going to be going to the playoffs, but it means that he could be available to the Rangers a little bit sooner than originally expected. And for starters, we'll just kind of get everybody caught up with the season that Kravtsov is having for Tractor. He has skated in 19 games with them this season. He has scored six goals and dished out seven assists. So he's got 13 points in the 19 games. He is also a plus four in his time with Tractor this season. And Tractor will indeed be participating in the playoffs in the KHL. In fact, they lead the Eastern Conference, so I suppose they're going to stay in that position because, like I just mentioned, the KHL has canceled the rest of the regular season, and they'll be diving into the playoffs right after the Olympics have concluded. So you've got Tractor, and again, this is Kraftsoft's KHL team They have won 23 games in regulation. They have 12 overtime wins. They have three overtime losses and 12 losses in regulation. That's good for 73 points. And like I said, first place in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Rangers, just like they did last year when they loaned him to Tractor, they have committed to having Kraftsoff play out his entire KHL season. So his availability to the Rangers comes down to basically how well Tractor does in the KHL playoffs. If Tractor is knocked out in the first round, and I got to give a shout out to Stat Boy Steven on Twitter here because he does a great job. Uh, he knows all these stats, all these numbers. It's crazy, but he was right on top of this. If Kraftsoft's team, Tractor, is knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, then Kraftsoft will be available to the Rangers by mid-March. If they go down in the second round, you're looking at late March. If they lose in the third round, you're talking mid-April. And if they win or lose in the finals, uh, he will be available to the Rangers in late April. So either way, he should get back before the Stanley Cup playoffs start. Uh, I'm going to do a quick schedule check here. And yeah, the Rangers' last game of the regular season is April 29th at home against the Washington Capitals. So again, depending on how Krasov's team fares in the KHL playoffs, it's possible we see him back with the New York Rangers. So basically, if you're of the belief that Vitaly Krasov, we can let bygones be bygones, everything that happened in the offseason with him not making the team and basically throwing a fit and getting sent back to the KHL. If you're of the belief that we can get by that, and when I say we, obviously I mean the Rangers uh, franchise, not you and me uh, personally, but if you're of the belief that, again, we can just basically have that be water under the bridge, then I suppose the thing to do is to root against Tractor in the KHL playoffs. They lose early, and Kravtsov can come back to the Rangers. If you're of the belief that Kravtsov has burned one too many bridges, he's acted up uh, you know, one too many times here with the Rangers, then I suppose you would want Tractor to just keep winning and winning and winning in the playoffs and 
have Krasov not ultimately come back to the Rangers. Because if if Krasov's team ends up playing in the finals of that league, then I don't know. Would the Rangers bring him back over uh, into the NHL and just throw him out there into the Stanley Cup playoffs? That could be a little bit of a dicey proposition, and I'm not sure how well that would go over in the locker room. Because if we're aware of you know Krasov's immaturity and the fact that uh, he basically caused this whole situation, getting himself sent back to the KHL, then you got to believe the players in the Ranger locker room are very well aware of that as well. And I'm not saying that the Rangers front office is completely blameless either because I think pretty much every party could have handled this situation better than it did. But I think if you're going to bring him back, you would want it to be before the playoffs start so that he can kind of get his feet wet at the NHL level once again and go out there and kind of earn his stripes all over again with the New York Rangers. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't know how that would sit in that locker room if, you know, you've been through an 82-game regular season and then somebody like Dryden Hunt has to come out of the lineup for Vitaly Kravtsov. You know, I'm just using him as an example. But, you know, Hunt, he's a hardworking player. He seems to be pretty well-liked in that locker room. I don't know that players would would really be on board with that. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this all shakes out. And, of course, this could all be a moot point if the Rangers decide that this guy has played his last game as a New York Ranger and he's never going to wear that jersey again. And they decide to, you know, make him the centerpiece or, or one of the centerpieces of a trade uh, long before Kraftsoft's KHL run even comes to an end. You know, they could trade him by the time I'm done recording this episode, for all we know. He's certainly somebody who is on the block and somebody who could be moved at or before the NHL trade deadline in March. So it's a very, very fascinating situation and one that we'll definitely uh, continue to monitor going forward in the days and weeks to come here. Uh yeah, not an easy decision, and uh, definitely intrigued by seeing what the Rangers do uh, going forward here with Vitaly Kravtsov. But uh, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, which has actually already been recorded, I did this a little bit out of order so that I could talk about the All-Star Game and uh, the skills competition today, but uh, for our Tuesday episode, we are going to be continuing our look at the NHL awards and trying to figure out some winners and discussing whether or not any other Rangers should be up for or perhaps even win certain awards. We're going to talk about Gerard Gallant, maybe being a Jack Adams Award candidate. We're going to talk about who the Rangers MVP of the season might be so far. And I'm also going to make my early pick for one of my personal favorite awards, and that is the Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award. We're going to be doing all that in Tuesday's episode. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NHL. Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NHL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.